Hi and welcome to this Formula One podcast. I'm Oscar and I'm joined as usual by my co-host. Hello, I'm Daniel. And we're here today to talk about the upcoming Belgian Grand Prix. Uh, but before that, we're going to talk about the last race in Spain. But before we actually start with that, the F1 FIA has actually come out now with the full, uh, full list of races for this season. They've added four more. And they are Turkey. Last time we raced there was in 2011. We're going to race there the 13th to 15th of November. We got Bahrain first, 27th to 29th of November. And then again, 4th to 6th of December. So two races in Bahrain. And we're going to finish, as usual, in Abu Dhabi, the 11th to the 13th of December. So... Yeah, we, we have our calendar. It's going to be a 17 race season. So in the middle of the 15 to 18 that we're hoping for. So, yeah, now we know. But yeah, the race in Spain. And why not just talk about it and have it over with? <laughs> Lewis Hamilton won the race after starting first. And yeah, just dominated the race as usual there's there's no one who can touch him he's just he's in a class of his own yeah and i would even say that the first three guys was in a class of their own in this race yeah i mean but even then like max verstappen second started third was 24 seconds behind Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. Valtteri Bottas in third, started second, was 44 seconds behind Hamilton. So 20 behind Verstappen. So and they were the only three on the lead lap at the end. But at the same time, they are over 20 seconds apart. And that's just a full pit stop. Yeah, they were dri driving around by themselves the almost. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know what to say about it really. Just, no. just Hamilton just dominating Verstappen got past Bottas in into turn one. Bottas, we had a, I wouldn't call it a bad start, but it was the worst start than both Verstappen, Stroll, Paris, and Albin, all which started right behind him. Because we had Verstappen went through, we had Stroll that went through, Paris almost went through, and it was if it wasn't that Bottas almost parked in turn one and slowed Albin down, I think Albin would also have a shot to overtake Bottas into the next corner. So, yeah, in the end he was fourth after the the or well, fifth for a short amount of time behind Paris too. But fourth, once everyone everything settled down after the, the start, so not the start Bottas hoped for, and yeah, in the end he couldn't catch Verstappen. Just yeah, good racing from from Verstappen to keep ahead of Bottas, but yeah, yeah but it was really, really a race in between them. Verstappen really took some important points for Red Bull. Yeah, but it was interesting actually. Right after the first pit on lap twenty-two, I believe it was. Until then, they tried to match Hamilton's speed on the softs. Because in practice, I believe it was, 
when they tried their um, long runs like to simulate race race distances um verstappen and hamilton was pretty much even on the soft pace but while verstappen actually had a advantage in the medium pace like on medium tires so in that sense red bull looked very good coming into this race but at the end of the first stint Verstappen was not able to keep up with Hamilton's pace on the softs. So already they started worse off. And just after the second pit stop, uh, Verstappen's engineers comes on like, yeah, this is what Hamilton does. This is how far you need to do this and this and this to, to get Hamilton. And Verstappen pretty much <laughs> snapped at and through the radio. Like, yes, yeah, stop caring about what Hamilton does. Just focus on my race, what I need to do, what I need to have to happen. It was quite interesting yeah. because I always thought that Verstappen was target number one, Chase Hamilton. But no, I think he re realized that the only way I'm going to finish second is to try to do my own race and do it as good as possible, which is what he did. Yeah, and really, I think, let's say in a world where you're allowed to drive on medium the whole race, this would be way closer. Yeah, or at least looking at the uh, practice numbers. But yeah, but even, end, even looking at the lap times on medium, I, I, I remember like it was way closer than this. Yeah, but yeah, that's what the... Uh, because ha Verstappen was really good at medium. Yeah, and even then he lost to Hamilton. So. Yeah. <laughs> but still, Verstappen on soft was not a pretty sight. Well, he still he Did still got second. Yeah, he was good, you know, but still. At, at the time as well, but yeah. Yeah, he was just uh, not fast enough for Hamilton, which is not easy to be. So. Yeah, but if it's, we it's, if yeah. we actually talk about tire wear and tire times and everything, we have a guy who masterclassed it. Well, opinion. almost. Yeah. Because, well. Because, uh, well, I know who I'm thinking about, you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, first, like, it's not usual that I praise him like that, but he deserves it this time. Yeah. Started 11th, right up the, uh, right Q3 again. And this time, he found himself early, uh, quite high up. I think it was fifth, maybe even fourth at one point. And it looked like, yeah, I believe he was on soft. He started on mediums and then went, went quite long on those and then switched to softs. And the plan was then to switch again onto another set of tires. I don't know if he was going to soft or medium. Probably soft, looking at how the stint went, worked out. But uh, he was coming on like uh, racing up for 20 laps almost on those softs. And it was about time for him to come in. But they started doing some math in the car, pretty much, because a few laps earlier, uh, Charles Leclerc had DNF'd, and we'll get more, get talk about more about that later. So Seb pretty much come in the radio and says, "Yeah, okay, um, can you please help me with some um, tactics now? Now that Leclerc isn't in the race anymore." <laughs> yeah, he really like like pointed at the thing that he is obviously the second driver yeah which they did they did help him 
and they tried to work it out like okay what are we going to do because if he would have pitted he would have come out in 12th i believe it was time and then for him to climb into the top 10 would be very difficult so instead they chose to stay out on these softs that's already on the verge of the normal length of a soft around this track, around this day, and decided, yeah, we're going to go another 10 to 15 laps on these just to get to the finish. Because if we pit, we have no chance of going in the top 10. If we don't pit, we, well, we have nothing to lose, pretty much what, what Bessel said, I think. Yeah, they actually said that, like, we have, no, like, we have nothing to lose. At least, like, and I agree. They had, n like, what? What about this? Now he at least had a chance getting points. Yeah, it's li literally, if if worse came to worse and he dropped out of points, that would be exactly what would have happened if he did that that second pit stop. Yeah. So. What? Yeah, he managed to get an amazing seventh, his best placement this year, and actually the best climber in in the entire. Um, Entire field with with four positions gained during the race. Yeah, so that like a risky move really paid off. Yeah, and yeah, really good tire management by him. Yeah, and yeah. he was chased down the last few laps. He had Albin, Gasly, Norris, and I believe also Ricardo in a train catching up to him. Oh yeah, he was not but, like uh, in a good uh, way there. Like a few more laps, they would have catched him. Yeah. Although, I don't know if they would, funny enough, because looking at the f uh, last few laps, let's say five laps to go, Albon was closing in quite quickly. And then he got to Vettel, and he had to slow down, save some energy or whatever. He had to slow down, wait a few laps. In that time, Gasly and Norris caught up. And all of a sudden, Albon was, was fully, uh, he had to think a lot of the guys behind him to stop them from passing. So in the last few laps, Vettel actually managed to pull away from Albon because Albon was so busy keeping the guys behind. So I don't know if a few more laps would have actually helped Albon in the end, unless Vettel's uh, tires would then go over a cliff. Yeah, because they were but, close. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they were really close to that cliff. Yeah, to be fair, I'm surprised he managed to uh, go into <laughs> make it to the finish line. On those pairs of yeah, that was so well done, to say the least. But we already mentioned the class, so why not talk about it right now? Started in ninth, had a pretty good race, fighting with uh, with the, both McLaren at points, both Norris and Sainz, and fighting uh, well into the top ten. And then just driving us along in the third sector on lap thirty-eight. He hit a curb with his front left tire, and the car turned off. Spun him 180 degrees, and stopped him in the middle of a, of a slow left-right-hander. And he had pretty much he had to wait until the entire field passed, and then he tried to start the engine again, and it didn't go. So he just he just died on him, and then he actually. He actually even took off his seatbelt, like, okay, yeah, I'm going to have to walk from here. So he took off his seatbelt and then tried to press the start button one more time. And then the car actually started so he could drive away from there. But seeing that 
he was now driving an F1 car without his seatbelt. He had to come into the pits the very same lap. And, and, and uh, yeah, they looked at the car and then it's like, yeah, we can't fix this. And DNF it was. Yeah, because those seatbelts aren't the easiest, if I understand it correctly, to put on yourself. No, absolutely not while driving a car. Yeah. Uh, so he had to drive the entire lap without a seatbelt. And then, of course, going into pits, you could easily put it on. But by then, they could check the car, what was wrong. And yeah, they didn't, they, they couldn't fix it, whatever the wrong was. Yeah, I remember yeah. hearing the, the radio afterwards. Yeah. About that seatbelt thing. I heard, whoops. Yeah. Yeah, I did. To be fair, I didn't catch that during the race. That's something I've heard about after the race. Yeah, I've heard a clip from it. So, yeah. Is that what All right. I, another yeah. is another team we need to talk about. Talking about Ferrari now for a while. Let's talk about Renault. Because coming into this race, uh, absolutely, Dan Ricciardo was hoping for multiple points in this race, just like he did in the 70th, uh, 70th Grand Prix, where he, he didn't fully... Uh, get what he wanted. And it didn't start great with Ricardo qualifying 13th and his teammate Ocon qualifying in 15th. So they had a lot to ground to cover. And yeah, after the entire race, both drivers up two places. So 11th or 13th. But no points for Renault. Not what they would have hoped for. No, they, like the, yeah. the, this was a way worse race for us. Yeah, I think I, I really think that that Ricardo thought that they had a good car beneath them, and it looked like that in in the end of the of the British Grand Prix, the first time around Silverstone, those last three laps they were they were truly rapid, and it looked very promising. But they haven't been able to unlock uh, unlock that in either of the races since. So, yeah. Yeah, but I have to mention another guy. I, I was really happy to see him like in this way. Perez being back, not to take anything away from Hulkenberg, uh, I'm happy to see him coming back like he was never gone. Yeah. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. As you might know, by the time of recording, we actually thought that Hulkenberg would still be in the car, and then. Yeah, surprise, Paris got a negative and he was welcomed back to the track. And yeah, fourth in qualifying, fifth in the race, just because he got a five second penalty for um, uh, ignoring blue flags. Uh, so he, he uh, got behind his teammate because of that only. So sad for him not to finish fourth, but a really good race from Sergio Paris. Usually in that position, that high up, you don't get blue flags. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's why he, no, he he didn't know how to deal with it. <laughs> like, if he was in fourth, like getting a blue flag, then it's like, wait a minute, I'm almost on uh, the podium. Are they really lapping me? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he was fourth at the time of the blue flag incident, but he was definitely top ten. Yeah, like, are they really lapping? Really? Like, yeah. 
It was a little tricky. I think uh, he said that he got this blue flag coming into turn 10 at the start of the third sector. And then it's very narrow, very slow. So it's difficult to let, uh, and very, yeah, very narrow sector. So it's kind of hard to let anyone pass. So he waited until the end of the start finish straight to let Hamilton pass, I believe it was, or was it Bottas? I don't remember. I think it was one of the Mercedes he had behind him. Um, but by then they thought, oh, it's too late. We're going to give you a five-second penalty for this. And funny enough, the exact same happened to Daniel Kvyat. Also a plus five. Also for uh, ignoring blue flag. And also, he got the blue flags coming into turn 10. <laughs> and he waited until the start finished. Right? And by then, no, it's too late. They have to talk about yeah. that situation. Yeah. Like, if... It, uh, was, it was weird. More than one car does the same thing on the same place they should really think about how hard is it to let someone pass here yeah and yeah you know it's possible to do it in third sector but i like the way that i i, I think i believe it was queer I, I might be wrong here i don't remember which of the obviously said it so i'm not gonna say a name but he literally said that it was dangerous to try to let anyone pass in the third sector because yeah, it's so narrow and it's so so important to get those runs good to keep up the pace. Yeah, so, I think that yeah. is something the FIA should look at in the future. Yeah. Is it really like yeah. really like in a safe way? Is it possible to really let someone pass there without any problems? Yeah. We'll see if they do it or not, but yeah. Perhaps they should. Yeah, because it's for, like... for that specific area, they should be allowed to re let them go at the end of the uh, end of start finish rate. Yeah, exactly. Like that it. is the most logical way to let someone pass. Yeah, because there is areas on race tracks I have seen that it's almost impossible to let someone pass. Yeah, like I it's need almost track. need to go off the track to let someone pass. Almost like that in some some races. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, Sorry, part three or sector three. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> Blind a little bit. Sector three of uh, this circuit, the circuit of Barcelona and Catalonia, is definitely one of those places. So, yeah. So, yeah, I don't really have to think about that. Yeah. We talked a bit about a race, and actually, I want to talk about a little bit thing in the qualifying as well. Two things. That's first, George Russell out in q1 he added 18th that's the first time since the styrian grand prix uh or since the austria austrian grand prix actually he finished in q1 in austria and since then he's had a row of of four races in a row where he got to q2 but yeah. here at spain he didn't manage to do it yeah he was showing some real promising qualification this season for some race really impressive like sh looking at his uh, the last season and checking this season he has been doing some really good improvements in qualification yeah and i believe much of that is because the car is much much better uh he might also be going become better as a driver it's it's hard to 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 measure that to be honest yeah, i think he's so low driver. always but definitely the car has come, become better 
that's 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 good to see. Asperio Ford is really like, how good would he be in a good car suited to him? Yeah. That's I hope. I really, yeah. really, really hope that we will see that one day. Yeah, and because we know what kind of potential he has, if you look on his F two season where he won right ahead of Landro Norris and Alex Albon. Now Norris and Albon are both fighting at the top end of the uh, of of the uh, uh, yeah of F one. Yeah, and the thing so is, in I F- imagine without a stretch, Russell could be up there too uh, if he was in a similar car, even a similar car to Norris and Albon. Yeah, and if I'm not wrong here in Formula Two, they're driving almost exactly the same cars as each other. Yeah, more or less. They are There's allowed some, to do some. some uh, they are allowed yeah. to do like some uh, tuning and stuff. Yeah. To fit the specific driver and whatnot. Exactly. Like, but no, it's not that big of a difference on the cars. No. And that's n- that's not the only time Russell has won as well. He's, he's won a lot in his his uh, earlier career, but yeah, I can't wait to see what he can do. And he belongs to the Mercedes program. And I would not be surprised, say, for not next season, but the next season after that, with the new when when the new rules come in with the new setting, yeah, I that think that's a perfect he will time. be allowed to sit as be the direct understudy to Lewis Hamilton in Mercedes. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the time that that Mercedes trigger the move for Russell to to move away. From <laughs> Let's him. just hope he can drive a car suited to Hamilton. Because that doesn't always work. Because I I think that was the problem with uh, the uh, let's see the name again. In uh, you have to remind me in Red Bull last year, Gasly. That was the problem for Gasly last season. The car didn't suit him. Yeah. And he he was given no time to actually learn the car. Yeah, like which is also I think a contributing factor. It feels like Albon is a little bit more friends with the car, at least. A little bit more, I should say. Yeah. I mean, he's had a difficult first part of the season, I would still say. But I just hope that he can get even better, because he's definitely got some potential. Yeah, but I hope... I I hope he can do it even better than he's been doing right now. I have, like, two things that is harsh on... uh, Albon. One, the car is modified to suit Verstappen. Two, it's notoriously hard to drive that car. I've heard that at least. Well, I think that's just because of the way it's set up. Yeah, like it's it's set up. It's a difficult car to to drive. It's set up differently perhaps than many other cars since it somehow is a master of, of keeping tires alive not just this season but early season too it's been kind of their hallmark that red bull is good on tires for yeah. some reason so, well yeah. i heard at least that it's a really hard car to learn to drive well um, and yeah. like i said I, they're not purpose building the car for album no definitely not because how would that be possible to purpose build two cars in the same team for two different drivers? Wow, the cost. Yeah, it's probably possible, but yeah. 
Yeah, it's his head. It would cost a lot, I think. Because the, yeah. the, the, like the money for developing and everything is already crazy. Hopefully it, it'll be less by, by two seasons from now, but yeah. Yeah, it will be, but that means even less chance developing at, uh, two different cars. So like that, that would yeah. be tricky. But let's hope for yeah. the best that we will get an exciting F1 even off that. I think it will be more exciting then. Yeah, I think if we will have for the, uh, I believe the lack of DRS is going to make it more interesting. Yeah. We're going to see overtakes where we now don't see overtakes. And that's going to be amazing. Yeah, I think we will have a little bit of shake up in, uh, in teams. Because not, then it will be important to get the most out of the money. Like drive uh, like most out of like every cent or whatever money you use. And I, I don't think Mercedes is the leader in that regard. Because well, they, can spend, they, can, they can spend a lot of money right now. They can toss money on that team. Yeah. But who knows? Maybe when they're forced to, they can find a way around that and still be number one. Yeah, but uh, uh, that would yeah. be really interesting. Like the, That's a whole different beast. Yes. To be effective with your money. Like having money is one thing, be effective with them is a totally different thing. Everybody knows that about sports. Like it's not, it's almost never the richest team that is the most effective with money. Oh no. Other way around, actually. When it's the, yeah. yeah. It is when you don't have the much money that you you, uh, you need to learn how to get the most out of yeah, it. Yeah, because the richest team in every sport, actually, can just toss money on it. Yeah, more or less. So, yeah. They can still know what to do with the money. I'm not, it's not like, oh, every rich team doesn't know what to do with the money. That's not the case. But it's easy. It's, it's harder to be good with your money when you don't have to worry about being good with your money. Exactly. Like the, in a way. So. They don't have to think about it in the same way. Turn around, like think about every sense, like turn, turn it around and like being effective with it. And that's what I think it will be really interesting to see everybody like a more even play field money wise. I think that will suit the lower teams better because they're already working like that yeah more or less i would say although some of the teams don't even hit the money cap set right now so they would need to increase the money they spend to even hit the cap so perhaps they won't be that hit with it but w do they have a lower cap also unknown because in certain, I don't know the rules. Yeah, I'm because in certain sports they, they have a lower. There have to be cap. some kind of lower because they need to be able to have an F1 car and do everything you need to fulfill a full season or however the long this agreement they have. Because I think they just signed the Concord Agreement. It's called because uh, it's written in Concord, France. <laughs> I believe it was called the Concord Building. Sorry, I don't know the details actually, but I read about that the other day. But yeah, whatever. Um, they sign up the teams for like I think five or six year stretches so now we know that these teams that are currently in F1 
they're going to now be going to be in F1 for the next whatever five or six years or four. I don't remember, I don't know how long they write this agreement for, but they every team has now signed up. Yeah, we're going to stay in F1. So we know they're going to be here. Yeah, we're going to see. Um, this is actually the eighth eighth Concord agreement. Don't know when they started with it. So uh, the first one was written nineteen seventy nine. I checked. I just checked it. Yeah, I hope so, because I hope you don't know that in the top of your head. <laughs> no, I checked it. So yeah, but I, I thought that was interesting fact actually to to know. But yeah, that would be really interesting in a lot of way. Like, but I hope they don't have a ridiculously high low cap. Because in some sports, some teams actually have serious problems with getting up to the low cap. I don't think they're going to put a... Uh, if they even have a limit set, it, I don't think they're going to put that so that either of the current F1 teams won't be able to meet it. I hope they will just have... You should... You are obligated to be able to run the team like money-wise. Not like yeah. a certain number, like going crazy like that. No, I, I don't think that. I think that's it. You need to be able to have a team that works. Yeah, you need, you to, need to have to so, something. You need to be able to upgrade it. You yeah. need to be able to travel around the world and everything you need. You need to have a, you know, everything that an F1 team requires, you yeah. have to be able to pay for. But that's that's it. They you don't, have to have they, some they, kind of uh, financial stability. Yeah, well... I mean, there's several teams who've gone bankrupt through the history of F1. So, yeah. I mean, they haven't had the financial uh, stability. But that's the problem like, with only only you was never it know. last season or was it two seasons ago that Force India was forced into liquidation because they were running bankrupt, pretty yeah. much, and they got saved by so they uh, yeah they managed to be bought up by by uh yeah the from the bottom and they became racing point because of that so now let's quickly return actually to the race in spain before we jump on to the to the next race because uh, i also wanted to mention kimi raikkonen he actually finished in q2 14th fastest which is actually the first time this season he's been uh, made it through q2 so yeah Massive step forward for him, when, and I even think that he said in a, in um, an interview after that if he had the tires, because he used up a lot of his tires in Q1, he might have been able. I he thought that the speed was in the car to actually make it into Q3. So that would have been interesting to not go through from Q1 and then make it to Q3 all of a sudden. But yeah, wasn't the case, but still amazing that Mike Kimmerichen. But yeah, now let's jump to the Belgian Grand Prix and talk about the circuit. And we're heading to Circuit de Spon-Francorchamps, located in Stavelo, Belgium. The first race here was held in 1950, and the track is 7 kilometers or 4.3 miles long. It has 19 corners, and they drive it for 44 laps during a race distance. 
which totals to 308 kilometers overall. Now, the, uh, the track has two DRS straights, uh, one on start-finish straight, and one between turn four and turn five. Now, the textures for these are, uh, for the one on start-finish straight, is right before turn 18. There's a little chicane there that, uh, that uh, goes onto the start-finish straight. And the second one is actually in the middle of the straight between turn one and two. So then it is a while before the actual DRS straight starts. Now we talk about points to watch or major overtaking places. First off, I would say into turn one. It's a very sharp right-hand corner, but I would say there's probably multiple ways to take it, either hug the inside wall or go a little bit faster around the outside. So I do think that you can see some uh, interesting lines through there. And then you got the big long straight uh, DRS straight down to turn five of course hard braking zone very good overtaking position and then i would also mention uh, the hard braking zone into turn 18 right at the end of the lap because cars come here at almost top speed after a very long straight or straight there's turns in it but you can still keep the throttle uh, to, to the yeah you can throttle full in so that's another good uh, overtaking zone. But yeah, let's go on to the actual race. And why don't you start as usual? Yeah, I I find it harder and harder betting against Hamilton. Yeah. Like, what the, what should they, like, what should the others do? We have one guy. Well, actually two. One of them is his teammate. Two guys that could potentially win. <laughs> that is not Hamilton. Yeah. But it is actually a little bit fun thing about this because it was actually, I heard this uh, earlier today, it was actually a few years since Mercedes last won at Spa. Which was a surprise to me when I heard it. But this has normally not been their favorite race. So that makes this interesting because I love those races where they're not winning a lot. Not yeah. I don't have anything against them. I just want an exciting race and season. That's it. Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, uh, last season it was Leclerc. The year before that it was Vettel. Uh, yeah, I doubt Ferrari will do it. I don't think this is them either. Even before that, there, Hamilton. So the last race they won, 2017. It's been two years yeah. since they won. I would, I would love Ferrari to prove me wrong. I would. Yeah, but this is a... <laughs> of course, I would say this is a power circuit. But then look what, what Leclerc managed to do on Silverstone. Which is also a power circuit. I would say this is even worse when it comes to high speeds than Silverstone. But, I mean, if the clerk could do it there, he could probably do it here. But to the point of challenging the Mercedes, no. <laughs> At least I don't think so. So, yeah, being a little bit boring here, it, I see three drivers. It's between those three drivers on top. And I'm placing them 
Like in the last race, I'm placing Hamilton, Verstappen, Bottas in that order. Yeah, Verstappen definitely has the skill to to punch in between. Yeah, he needs to like find some kind of window to get between them. Yeah. That, that because like otherwise this would become a one-two. Oh. They're really good I at that. Yeah, and uh, just as last race, I think it's crucial. Say that Hamilton and Bottas start for, uh, qualify first and second, which they're probably going to do. It's imperative that Verstappen get in between the two around, if not through turn one, then at least during the first lap. After that, I think it's too late, pretty much. Because, <laughs> yeah, la last... Last race, the top three was decided on lap number one, turn number one. And I think it can be similar here. Yeah, I really think so too. But yeah, I, I believe in that we'll stop and we come second. Yeah. I'm actually not going to be that positive, And I think Bottas will uh, bounce back and get a second place again. Not first. Hamilton's going to win. But yeah. Yeah, but betting against that top three with those three guys would be insanity. At the moment, yeah, it feels like it. They, they have pretty much just said the top three are ours, you can't touch them. Yeah, we need to like get a failure of some kind to touch them. Yeah, like Leclerc with his third place. Yeah. Um, well, now two races. First where Verstappen went out and then when Bottas um, got his puncture. And now comes the question also, where, like, will Vettel be able to get some decent points? That's a difficult one. Yeah, because, like, if you see, look at the whole season, we will say no. If you look at the ra last race, maybe. I'm thinking about last race. Like, it was... Perhaps that was just the way it sounded like over the radio. But it almost sounded like Vettel asked for strategy help after Leclerc was already out of the race. Yeah. And the way he said it, it almost felt like he's not getting that much help with strategy during the race. No, they're focused. Leclerc is getting all the, the attention. Yeah. Maybe that's the wrong picture, but it sounded like it over the radio in last race and in that sense that that's just sad for Vettel. yeah but uh, it could also be uh, like if we take the the ferrari friendly approach that he's used to having all the focus when he shares the focus like maybe 60 40 or 50 50 he feels like he's not getting the usual focus yeah, I don't know. Like some drivers yeah, have been like either. that. Some drivers have been like that. Like, oh no, I'm not getting all the time anymore. But I, like, I doubt it. I think actually Leclerc is getting favorite, uh, like being favorite there, because Vettel is not in the team next season. Yeah, and Leclerc is currently the faster driver. Yeah, and it's a younger driver. The, that's their the future. Build the team around. 
exactly the future of the team like why would they like purpose build anything for Vettel when he's out next season but in the end it's still important for them to have a it's important for Vettel to have a good season yeah. to increase his chances to stay in F1 it's important for Ferrari to have a good season so they can get a better constructor placement at the end of the season and get more money so I mean it's in Ferrari's interest to make Vettel work and make his car work the way Vettel wants it or at least as close to it as possible while still having Leclerc in, in the number one spot which I can understand I haven't turned them on but they're still they should be interested in having Vettel having good races as well so but he, yeah he's a really one hard to predict yeah I hope he can get into the top 10 again but I barely dare uh, betting on it to be fair yeah he's that, that's the such a wild card in that <laughs> absolutely around here because he's had his trouble with high speed uh, tracks Leclerc has been way better around those but because I mean we have racing point that I think is very it's going to look very interesting around this circuit McLaren I believe is good in high speed too Renault looks good in high speed Pierre Gasly looks amazing every single race for AlphaTauri. I think all those drivers can beat Ferrari uh, this race. So, and then it's not even place for for Leclerc in top ten. You yeah, know, if, if you but if, say all those are going to be ahead of them. If we take like four place four to six, I think we will have Racing Point and Leclerc. Not and in any particular order. I, I believe it does. No, I'm, I'm definitely going to go Paris number four. Um, then it, yeah. Hmm. Those feel like the best drivers currently to me. To get there. Uh, I want to throw science in the picture. Yeah. Oh yeah, that, oh yeah. After a, a tricky season so far, where he hasn't had really the luck with the car, and he has some troubles with with pit stops, which is not down to him. You know, it's been unlucky a little bit. And he changed uh, coming into last race. He switched pretty much the entire car was switched, and all of a sudden he was doing way better. So maybe he's up for the challenge again, and he's 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 really quick when he gets it all together. So. Yeah, he's he's I'm the gonna, one I'm, who could break that bubble. Yeah, I'm gonna say with Paris fifth, fourth, we have Sainz fifth and Leclerc sixth. So Stroll is gonna be right behind there. I I I, do, I have no that, idea. I'm gonna who. say that that's four to six. Yeah, I, my four to six in that in in no particular order. Yeah. Like racing point, racing point, Leclerc. Is my going there? Oh yeah. no, Ferrari anymore. Uh, like ra racing point, racing point, Leclerc. Like oh, he's the Ferrari. I heard McLaren. Sorry. Oh yeah, was, sorry. Uh, yeah, Leclerc there. <laughs> but McLaren right after them. Albon will have another race with a few points, I think. Like Hopefully. being here, like in the what is it, eighth, tenth, somewhere. Fighting with Gasly or something. Yeah, that's gonna be a hard fight. Yeah, which is sad to talk about. Seeing that 
this is exactly what happened last season, where where Albon was battling with Gasly and that made Gasly lose his seat. Yeah. I don't want that to happen again. But yeah, that's pretty much where we're at during currently because yeah, Albon is having trouble with the Red Bull and Gasly is driving the then we just like, have... It was a way better car than it, than I think it is. Yeah, then I just have one spot left, and Vettel has to take that one. No Norris. Come, no... yeah, that's the hard oh. part here. Like we have too many cars in that equation, like coming seven to ten. That is, yeah. anyone can get there. Like, no, not anyone, but like a lot of cars could end up there. Yeah, but it's pretty much like top three is the two Mercedes and Verstappen. Yeah. And then it's between fourth and pretty much 15th is very even. Yeah. Racing Point, McLaren, Ren uh, Renault, Ferrari, Alpha Tauri. Like, I don't, did I forget a team? I don't think I did. Yeah. But they could all finish top 10. Because that midfield is so tight. Yeah, the only ones who is not, I don't believe in is Haas and Williams. Or screwed. Do you believe in Alfa Romeo? Uh, a little bit, but not like in points, but I believe in them like ending 11, 12 somewhere. Huh. And I think Haas and Williams are screwed. They're out of the picture. And I'm sad to say it about Haas. We know that Williams will be down there, but Haas, come on. Well, I'm not sure that Williams is, is stuck to the bottom as deep as it was before. They're currently last. They have zero points. Mm. The only team with zero points so far. Um, they're one point behind Haas, two behind Alfa Romeo, but... Latifi had his yeah. chance when when it was 11 cars on the grid. Yeah, his first race though. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like he will never. I doubt he will get a chance like that one again. I would. I wouldn't say can amount. No, I think no. he's he's learning the car and he's getting better as a driver because of it. Yeah, and but, the Williams car is getting better. Yeah, but still, like that that will be the the best chance in a while. I think. It was on a silver platter. He had to get past one driver. Yeah. He was unable to. And that was a struggling Fight. battle. Yeah. Well. Yeah, well, literally, he really... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But Russell has shown I, I some problems right sometimes, now. like keeping Vettel behind him for long moments. Yeah. Yeah, I said, I don't... I, I might, be, might have been a little bit positive in the the preseason when guessing how many points Williamson will get but I still think they will get points this season I think so too they will get at some point somewhere yeah well I, I if I remember correctly I actually I actually thought double figures and I'm, I'm not wow. sure, sure anymore but at least a point I hope <laughs> the thing is with our predictions are that we always go spectacularly wrong yeah and I'm okay with that because uh, yeah but it's I, if I remember it correctly, we didn't think Ferrari was this bad. No, we did both. It's, it's actually the look right now. I believe, oh, no, it's not here. There it is. We both thought them third. 
So we thought they were going to be, be behind Red Bull, which in itself was, in a way, a kind of big move. Yeah. And to be fair, coming into the Spanish Grand Prix, they were third in the constructors. Yeah, and the only now they are fifth. The but... only difference in our prediction is that I will have to eat up that McLaren will come before racing point. Well, I would say, I would say count them out. Yeah. No, not yet. But like, it's that's the only difference in our prediction. So that, like, that's the decide. Yeah, it's the only thing we didn't make different. Yeah, because Which, in a way, is... it's kind of funny with how even this year is. We actually almost thought the same. So, yeah. But the funny thing is that Haas is exactly where we thought. Yeah. Well, but it's not. It's close. Alfa Romeo is not really good. It's just one point. Yeah. And Williams is only one point behind. Oh yeah. This, oh yeah. Imagine I Haas mean, it's, it's ending far from last. Over. Imagining that Haas ending last. Yeah. It has to happen sooner or later. At at the point there, how they're looking right now. Yeah. But uh, yeah. But right now, Mercedes and Red Bull are running away. I would just say Mercedes. Yeah, but Red Bull is, is also running away, but they're not even worthy of mentioning the same part as Mercedes. Yeah, this, this <laughs> is like another sport thing we did where, where we thought like it would be number one in a whole different league. Number two also has an own league. Yeah. And everyone else. Oh, then it's three teams within two points currently. That battle. But the third team, Racing Point, doesn't even have half the points of Red Bull in second. Yeah. Red Bull does have more than half of the points that Mercedes has, but they're still almost 90 points behind. Maybe if they so, combine yeah. the points. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to combine quite a few teams to catch up to Mercedes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that I'd, I imagine Ferrari not thinking in the beginning of the season that they will be behind Racing Point and McLaren in points. Even if it's just Two, po po two points racing point, one to McLaren still. Yeah, we, we know that Binotto said it's going to be, they said they didn't hide any anything during preseason and that they're actually having a little bit of trouble with their, with their speed. No one believed them, but he <laughs> actually said that's going to, going to be true. So I think he saw a difficult year. But yeah, I don't think they would have draw. I don't think he saw them drop into the midfield. I, I don't. I didn't believe him. A third team behind Red Bull, but still a ways ahead of whatever midfield team is, yeah. is the one. I thought we will have like three leagues, if you know what I mean, in the top. Like number one team in one league, number two in one league, and then Ferrari in a own league. Not like Ferrari joining up with the midfield league. No, I don't, to be fair, I don't think anyone thought that. So, yeah, like I believe that, like I didn't believe him, like that the Ferrari was this slow. Yeah, I thought they were trying to like downplay it, like, like don't don't put too much pressure on it and everything. But yeah, they should be worried. Well. I don't think they need to be more worried than they already are. They are worried. <laughs> I 
I'm sure of yeah. it. But this season they get free the race to measure it up. They will get free more races than anyone in their own country. Yeah, and I don't think it will help them. No, because the, those are tracks where that car is screwed. Well, I don't know about the third one, uh, to be fair. But it's we know the normal uh, track is speed. Uh, one of the highest speed circuits, lowest downforce circuits in the calendar. That's their weakness. Even yeah. though the club managed to, managed to make a work around uh, yeah. so who knows? Because, yeah. but in a nor like in a normal season, you get free tracks in your home country. You're ha really happy. But now the yeah. pressure is on. But yes, the pressure <laughs> is on them now. Like, they need to get do something in their home country at least. They can't be swept away. Yeah, I don't know if they're under pressure at least not from within no, like, and i i think the italians have slowly realized that ferrari is not a top team this season whatever they wished they're not a top team so i don't i don't think they're going to be under that much pressure because everyone knows unless they've been trying to uh, been hide from the fact that ferrari is having a difficult season yeah. It's not the end of the Ferrari. It's not. The, it's not the end of the Prancer's horses going being one of the top teams in F1. But this season, it's one to forget. I think, in the end. Yeah, and uh, I like. I think we will have a pretty similar t next season because yes. they won't go all in to next season. Like, oh yeah, let's upgrade the car to insanity because this season after. Those upgrades are pointless. Yeah. Well, they, they're not allowed to. I almost think that you barely... I don't think... I don't know how many parts you're allowed to change coming into next season, but there's a very limited amount if there's even allowed upgrades. Yeah, well, I, I would say that even if they were allowed, like upgrading just for one season, and then you have to throw it out. Yeah, no, it's not. That it's would not. be insanity. Which they would have done normally. They were gunning for this season, and next season was going to be the new, the new rules. And then COVID happened, yeah. uh, and now everything is thrown out the window. But yeah, and that has hit Italy in a big way. Yeah. So they have been busy with other thoughts, but I think this is starting to sink in somehow. Well, if they're if you're interested in motorsports, it's been. Very clear, I think, for quite a while. I, I think they will bounce back. They have this like stability behind them. That's the interesting part because this season, just want to forget. Next season, want to forget. Um, they don't. It's, they don't uh, see themselves fighting for any wins through the next two seasons, pretty much. And then it's pretty much a clean slate coming into the next season after that and ferrari is one of those teams that need to lessen their spendings it's them and mercedes that actually need to drop what they're spending oh maybe maybe red bull too actually i don't i don't remember how much oh, i think red bull is spend, over that definitely ferrari and mercedes i can say that for a fact 
but they are above the roof for what you're allowed to spend now coming into the 2022 season. So I'm, almo I'm almost changes. sure that uh, Red Bull are there. Yeah, it was if, if they're not, I, I'm shocked because then you're, they're good with money. Yeah, oh, they're probably over seeing what they've been able to do, but yeah, I don't have the numbers. And yeah, yeah. what a shock that would be if they were under that number. They would be really good with money, that's yes. Yeah. And I think that Which would scare... I know for a fact Racing Point is under money, uh, under the limit, and they're currently third in that's, this year, so I mean... And that's pretty scary. Yeah, and I think McLaren is under the current, and I, I think literally it's only the top three teams, which are above. Yeah, Williams are definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but... Williams now uh, didn't the current owner uh, this is kind of we we should have taken this in news ah. isn't that sold to an investment company it is and I'm fearing that because investment companies usually buy stuff to get a profit from it well normally I would probably share your fear a little bit but reading the entire statement they've done and hearing all the reading all the interviews both with with claire williams the current owner and uh, sir frank the previous owner and claire's father um and hearing what the um what the company themselves has said it doesn't feel like this is going to be a a takeover where everything's going to change it feels like they're actually going to be very they they know why they are building this and or buying this and I don't think they're going to change that much and I think it's actually going to be a a positive thing overall. Yeah, because most of teams like in this is a that's a minus thing. Running most of uh, a lot of these teams, they need external money. Yeah, well, all teams have external money. Yeah, but like uh, you know what I mean, like uh, it's not. Uh, Motorsport isn't a thing you invest in to get money back in that way. No, it's mostly a. It's mostly a, a, a hole a, a where you. Loss. Yeah, it's mostly a hole where you actually throw money in it. <laughs> so but that's why I was uh, worried with an investment like, like a group in that way. Like, they're usually going into affairs to get money out of it. But I don't feel, again, reading this, it doesn't feel like that's where they're in it. Yeah, I really hope so. That, like, yeah, time, that, time will tell. But I really hope what that. What I've read so far, I, I feel, I think it's going to be positive. Yeah, I really hope William that. needed the money. They, they were running low on funds. Yeah, I William's really hope that. I hope they're probably wrong, completely wrong, and that they do investments and they understand that this won't pay off for them. And smarter methods. Who knows? It might actually pay off. Yeah. It's it's going to be very different in two years when everything is going to, you know, less thing. It's allowed to cost less money, and perhaps that's the way to actually, in the end, make it profitable. That would be yeah. wrong. It's it's a, uh, I, it's it's not a truth, and we won't know until the end of the 2022 season, pretty much. Actually, yeah. we won't know until the 2023 season, probably, when the companies 
release their figures for how it went during the last year, I think. So, but yeah, that that's yeah, that's for then. Right now, Williams now has new owner, Dorothon Capital, an American investment company, which is interesting. Seeing that as that F one isn't the biggest in the U.S. Funny enough, but, that's the second yeah. American-owned team. Yeah, if behind I Haas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I think interesting times for Williams. Yeah, I, like, I, I'm really hoping like they they are in this to stay there yeah. for a long time and and don't like see this as an investment in that case. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they see that this is a team they want to run and everything in a in a good way because usually, like I said, this is a money pit. Teams. Yes, there is going to be in one, definitely. Yeah, like uh, most teams with big company names like BMW that has been in Formula One did the calculation that it's not worth the money, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but that was back then also. That's yeah. quite a few years ago. They said goodbye, so. Yeah. But yeah. But yeah, I, I don't want to see any of that. Should I get reasoning anymore i hope not we, uh, that we don't have to see it but yeah or i think that's it for the prediction if you're done yeah and the next race is in well italy Monza. oh yeah oh yeah we're going to Monza. the first of two italy since in the straight actually yeah but they're not using the same track two times or are they First Monza and then Mugello. Yeah. And then we go to Imola later in the year. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. That will be interesting to behold. But next weekend at Monza? Uh, no, not. Was it Monza? Yeah. Next weekend at Monza. But we will be back next week with another episode of this podcast. I hope you enjoy the race and you have a nice weekend. And a nice week, by the way. And yeah, it was been fun recording. I hope you had fun listening. And that was it for this, us for this time. Tune in next week. Bye. Bye.